good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good to see you this morning. I pray that uh, you are stuffing your face with all of the good um, uh, pastries and sausages and just different things that are available back there. Um, I'm kind of full and uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to do that, but I uh, couldn't help myself, you know, so please uh, feel free to grab something and uh, and eat as much as you want. We are we're just glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to uh, Romans 325. We're going to continue on our series which is the prism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you weren't with us the last time, uh, the way that we just kind of talked about this is essentially is there are these other attributes and words that the Bible uses to just continue to really put you in a state of, I can't believe this, that God did this for me, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and really just opens that up. And so we're going to dive into that on the word uh, propitiation. And you can see here's our list of words here. If you wanted to take a picture of this, if you weren't here with us last time, but these are the ones that we're going to go over. Now, remember, we said not all of these are uh, words that you will find shun on the end. <laughs> right. And so I've had my liberties <laughs> with this list uh, a bit. And it's not an exhaustive list by any means. I mean, again, there are a lot of things that, you know, we could have added to that. But. Uh, just with these, you know, I think uh, we're going to see some pretty incredible things coming from that. And so in order to uh, really get started and really just to value something in a time like this and just, you know, as I'm, I hear the prayers over the weeks and as I just consider, you know, what it is that, you know, we need as a class, I think the thing that we always need is a reminder of the of what it took to get you saved at the heavenly level, because then the value for you increases. Uh, a lot of times I think that because in the States, man, the gospel has been here, you know, for hundreds of years and it's just floated around and moved and made things better and, you know, and all of that. But, you know, you can kind of become numb to it and you can kind of start to disconnect life's challenges from what actually took place on the cross. And so, well, I want to kind of draw that back down to you. And uh, just so that there is an appreciation for, man, this is what God has done. And that it would really embolden you uh, to live a life that is impacted and not forgetful of what took place um, the day you got saved. And so with that, let's pray and uh, then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, remove me um, and that you would just speak uh, through me and to your children, that you would comfort them, that you would teach them something perhaps they didn't know. Um, but Lord, we just ultimately want it all to just work out to your glory and pray that as, as this year just comes to an end, that, uh, Lord, we can just really appreciate, I mean, in the depths of our heart, uh, what, what happened um, on the cross. And, uh, and so Lord, thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you so much for just the beauty of your word and just how uh, it has just so many layers. We pray to just unpack them properly. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 
Okay, so that first verse that we want to look at is Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, I want to just slow myself down here for a minute because there are, if we just typed in the word propitiation in the blue letter. Now, for those of you that don't know, blue letter is essentially an app that has the Bible in it and all the versions of the Bible. You guys know what we read here, King James, but it's a resource so that I can study, you know, words or uh, verses and find out, you know, contextually what they mean. And so when you do that, if you use that search engine for that, you would put that in, you'd only see it three times in the New Testament. And what that can make you just draw to some conclusion is, is like, well, maybe perhaps this isn't as uh, important because it doesn't have a lot of verses tied to it. No, no, no. <laughs> One of the things you'll learn in, in Bible study is, is that if, 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 if it's a lot of times or a few times, it matters to God how many ever times it is. And so it should matter to us. And so that should make us dive in a little deeper. Now, one thing I will tell you and why you see propitiation slash mercy seat is that that is the same word also used in Hebrews 9.5. OK, and so we'll look at that here in a in a minute. And then your next two times will be and you'll see those on the board at some point. It will be first uh, John. Sorry, let me get to my first John 2, 2 and then first John 4, 10. So those are the only times that you see this word. And boy, it can make you very challenged. Like, what does this word mean? <laughs> you know, but he tipped his hat when he said mercy seat. And you're like, oh, now, if we looked up mercy seat in the Bible, you're only going to see that word really primarily, especially you got to be careful because blue hair is specific. It's not like Google. You know, you can misspell something in Google and because it's big brother, they will figure it out what you're looking for, but not blue letter. If it ain't right, it is not going to pull it up. And so mercy seat in the case of the New Testament, you have to put both words together. If you separate them like it is in the Old Testament, then it won't pull it up. And so there's only one time mercy seat is used in the New Testament, but multiple times in the Old Testament. And so we'll have some time that we need to kind of look at that in order for us to just have a better kind of working definition, just like we did last time, where it's like, okay, how does this, what does this mean? What does this mean to me? What, what happened? Just so I can understand what took place, right? Okay, so with that, let's see. Hebrews 9.5, just so you can see that this same word, and over it, the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly, nor can we understand particularly because we're still in the dark, right? We're kind of like, man, what, what do we have here? Okay. The first thing, if we just went back on that Romans 3.25, is that you have to understand, and just in terms of a small note that you would want to make here, because now when you look at a word you don't understand, and in order to try to see its usage, you will find something very interesting is that God said Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Okay. You should probably write that down. <laughs> Romans 3.25. God said Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood.
Now, I also want you to write, this is done to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. So it's interesting when you just break it down. All I did was just, you know, you just rearrange the words that's in the verse in order, in order to help kind of clarify that for you. God said Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. And then to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. But then we get in terms of two times that this word, if I looked at, you know, it just did on the blue letter search there. And I just happened to click on that um, uh, Greek usage, you know, and it just happened to pull up that mercy seat and propitiation. These are the two times that they are exactly the same. So then we get to the Hebrews 9.5. Now, with Hebrews 9.5, the thing I want you to write here. So you probably want to, on your notepad, like write the verse and then leave some space so that way you can write these other notes that I'm going to kind of give you just to kind of help you. This is also something I'm kind of doing um, covertly to teach you how to study the Bible. Some of you, this is a little newer to you. When you go to Bible study, it will help you just to have some insight as you're kind of looking at being a part of the conversation. Okay, so the other thing here is Hebrews 9.5. And remember, it says, and over the cherubims of glory, that's probably noteworthy. <laughs> They're cherubims of glory. And they shadow the mercy seat. Okay, so I would write that down. <laughs> and then what we're going to do is now look at all these Old Testament, or not all of them, but there's, there's one in particular I think just really just, just boom, it just opens it up. So if you're done writing that, go to Leviticus 16. And, and, and I do want you to maybe spend some time to just look at Mercy Seat in uh, the Old Testament, uh, you're going to see, oh man, I didn't, I didn't get the count. I have all the verses here, but it's over 20 verses that you're going to see that in. Uh, it starts in Exodus. And really the very first time that you see mercy seat used is Moses was told to make a mercy seat of pure gold. Okay. That's noteworthy. It speaks volumes to the holiness that this is going to be. Now, for those of you that don't know, and if I had been better on my PowerPoint, I just thought of that right now. <laughs> I would have made a picture of the Ark of the Covenant because that would have shown you what it looks like. I can't believe I forgot to do that. <laughs> and so there's a number of these verses that basically just talk about its construction. You know, in Exodus, and I'm just going to kind of mention these, 25 is where it starts. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, all of those verses are tied to the mercy seat. And there's something kind of interesting that you, you start to see is construction. One thing of note is in 2520, it happens to mention that the cherubims are like me and Maria facing each other, but their faces are toward the seat. So not looking at each other. They're just in the same direction, but our, the eyes would be down at the mercy seat. Very important. 
it kind of speaks to something because the Lord is using a lot of imagery here of just the idea that what's more important. It's not each cherubim. They're powerful, awesome and mighty. Boy, if you didn't hear that, I can't remember what uh, message that was where Pastor Sam had laid out how powerful cherubims actually are. Tremendous. But they're not looking at each other. They're looking actually at the mercy seat. Way more important. Because we got to figure out, well, why is that? Why does that matter? Why did, why did the Lord write that, right? Something else that you find extremely noteworthy in addition to that is that it is the lid for the Ark of the Covenant and it goes in the most holy place. So now think about it. The mercy seat here, you, you have the Ark of the Covenant. If you, and I'm sorry, but just, I can't help it because you've seen it in my, pop culture. In Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, you kind of know what it looks like, <laughs> you know? So they did a fairly decent depiction of it because there's a lot of renderings of what it looks like. And some now the one thing I have noticed that has changed over the years is most have the wings uh, where the wings are touching like this. But I've seen some renderings yesterday where the wings are open. And so there's one that's lifted to glory, essentially. And then the other is kind of like this. And so... That part, you know, not as important. However, uh, the Lord did was specific with his blueprint of how this needs to go. But in 22, something that's really cool is God will meet and commune with Moses at the mercy seat. And this is the thing that we're going to kind of look at just in terms of, of 16. The other thing about the mercy seat, that the mercy seat was this pulpit, just to kind of get a grasp on what you would have, the veil is in front of it. So it is in the most holy part of the tabernacle. There's rules and, and regulations on who it is that's coming in and out of that, but just understanding that God says, I will meet and commune with you there. Okay, I think that was all I wanted to say till we get to Leviticus. Okay, so now we're in Leviticus. Let me get there too. And this is where it's going to start maybe clarifying some things for you. Now, remember, what did we say about Romans? We said that God said Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. You cannot forget these details that God is the one that said that. He made Jesus to be that. It involves his blood, okay? Just as you keep in a note, bring that note down to you, with you, because now you're going to probably hear those things mentioned again when we're looking in Leviticus. Okay, just some context for you to understand here is also, this is after God had punished Aaron's sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu, by death because they had made a, a, an offer that produced strange fire. And the Lord was like, nope, not going to have that. And so this is the seventh month, the 10th day of the month. And what is the Lord is doing is laying out a one day, one, once a year atonement. Okay. Again, this is, I mean, you know, when I was studying this, I was just like, the Lord is awesome. <laughs> just because, you know, you're just thinking about how the gravity of it. Right. And just with the pictures and then have, you know, what we know happens later on on the cross and things of that nature. And so 
It's once a year and it's a holy day in God's eyes. So now if we pick it up here, let's read the first two verses in Leviticus 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they had offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. And so now you probably, you want to get this down. God told Moses to tell Aaron, he can't come in at all times. Now, in your mind, for those of you that are a little more mature and have been around for a while, you have to start thinking about your access to the throne in light of this. It's limited. I mean, like, again, this is just the kind of thing that is just incredible to me, right? And just a beautiful picture. Now, I know, listen, I'm, I'm in, this is, we're, it's teaching, okay? We're not preaching at this moment. So just stick with me. I know it's a lot of academics, but you need this part of it too, just so you know what your word is telling you, right? The Lord is trying to encourage you and give you a message here. Now, there's something that I want to uh, point out. Let's see. Not there. No, no, no. Okay. In verse six, it says, and Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. So I got two goats, okay? Like these two chairs that are in front of me. I got two goats. Now, what does it say to do? But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat. Oh, wait a minute. No, verse nine. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Guys, do you realize what I just said? There are two goats involved and you're like, OK, yeah, damn, I'm not a farmer. I don't care about these animals. No, you should care. <laughs> you absolutely should care. This is super important, man. Listen. There are two goats present before the Lord at the tabernacle of the congregation, and he shall cast lots upon those two goats. One lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. One is going to be set free. Stick with me. Verse 10. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering again which is for himself. So we got bulls, we got goats, the bullocks for the priests. Okay. That one has to be killed. Remember now, well, you might not remember. If you haven't read it yet, what you have to do is put your hand on it. It's like you're essentially transferring your sin to that animal and then slay it. Okay. And so that's critical. This blood is going to be shed for this animal. Okay. Now look at what happens. Verse 12, and he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, bring it within the veil. Okay, now I'm in the holiest part. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. Also important. 
Okay. And I think that's one of those ones that the incense has to be lit so that the smoke from the incense covers the mercy seat that the priest isn't killed. The limitations of him being able to access in and out of this holiest spot. That's not a, that's not something you have to worry about. Now there are even these, this incense like prayers have to be covering this mercy seat or else this is going to be a dangerous spot for Aaron to be. That's not the case with you. Verse 14, and he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger. So now very interesting. He has to do it with his finger. He didn't, it's not some ladle. He's got to do it. Get his hands in it. Boy, I'm telling you, man, the Bible's fantastic. <laughs> sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then listen, look, we've, oh, the goats, the goats are back. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. So he's got to be clean. Then now we got, remember, we got the two goats. We got this one scapegoat, one's the Lord's goat. The Lord's goat, kill it. <laughs> okay. And this is for the people. And bring his blood within the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat before the mercy seat. And he shall, watch this, make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of the transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Man. See, the blood matters. The shed blood matters. And you have to understand what it is that God is just telling us here about this is that not only in this time did the priests need to be cleansed, but then the people need to be cleansed. And the Lord has set up a time in which that could happen. Now, as it's starting to jump off the page for you, what happened at the cross? See, our priest didn't need somebody to cleanse his blood because he's sinless. Your other, before we get our little definition, get our keys out of here, let's get these other verses. First John 2, 2. And based off of what you just heard me say, and I, and I, I would love to read more to you of that and just read the whole thing because it is incredible. So go back. That's your homework. <laughs> and I would love it if you, I don't care if you email, text me, and just say, I read all of this because 16, and you're right. It is fantastic because it just, it just laid the picture out in front of you of what is taking place just so you can understand this propitiation, right? Okay, so let's keep going. First John 2, 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Did we or did we not see that? This bloodshed from those goats has the ability to make atonement for a big group. Now do you see where, who, where Jesus fits into this when we look back at the mercy seat? He's all over it. He can, he's ruling from the mercy seat. He communes with Moses from the mercy seat. You got to put the blood on the mercy seat, which 
it's like one of those things that kind of makes me want to clap and spin around in circles or something just like because I'm just like, you know, it's like all this stuff is firing in my head, you know. So get this down. Here's your notes for this. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And remember what we saw, the bullock had to be in terms of like on an individual basis. Absolutely. Absolutely. The issue is, is that I have to claim my sin. Yes, it is this kind of blanket thing that covers everything, but I better claim it for myself. I got to put my head on that bull too. And then also Jesus is a propitiation for the sins of the world. Man, don't miss that. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then if we go back one to, uh, oh, we missed that. I'm sorry. First John 4.10. Sorry, I'm going to read it out loud to you. It says this. Herein is love. And it, guys, you're right, Bible. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So here, get this down. You made your note. First John 4.10, leave a little space. And right there, you want to write down, God showed his love to us by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So now let's get these keys. Keys from propitiation. Okay, let's put it all together. We've seen a lot. So here it goes. First one, propitiation requires blood. Propitiation requires blood. Now make a little note underneath that. Atonement for the priest. Atonement for the people. Again, that was atonement for the priests and atonement for the people. In Hebrews 9, 11, and 12, it says this, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Get this, don't miss this. We got this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Guys, this is a once a year thing that happened. For all the years, up until the Lord was resurrected. Hundreds of years. And I love that the Bible just tells you, uh, Jesus, one, one time. See, I hope you're kind of starting to get the picture in terms of the gravity of by which it is that you walk this earth, perhaps being a saved man or saved woman. And why it is that just kind of sometimes are letting just life throw you away and just tell you that, man, you should be, you know, depressed or sad or mad or just think that you've been dealt a, a poor hand. Are you kidding me? Your Savior <laughs> entered the holiest place once 
and you were good. See the next one that you need to write down keys for propitiation. You got the first one requires blood. The next one declares God's righteousness. Declares God's righteousness. And you say, how? Man, I was asking myself, I'm just toiling over this. I'm like, I wrote it, but what? Why? Why is that? Why is that right? And then the Holy Spirit said, hey, hey, hey. Because my judgment is just. That's why. And if I decide to make my son that propitiation for you, that's just. And if I had have just said, you don't get, you, all you get is a seat to hell, that would have been just. Either way, it would have been just. God's judgment is just. And he made his judgment. He made it on his son. See, this is the thing that I, why would I say no to that? Romans 3, 26 says, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. By his judgment on his son, taking his life. Man, it made it to where you could finally be good with him. And you ought, to, you ought to feel some kind of way about that. You ought to just ponder on just the, there's just the fact that there's no way. Man, you guys are a nice looking group of people. You know, you shower, you shave, you brush your teeth. Now you still will bust hell wide open. Without Jesus, looking good and smelling good. Inhale. <laughs> right? And now smelling like smoke. <laughs> you know? And so... I'm just, I mean, I, obviously I'm being silly and ridiculous, but ultimately there's no way I could have done that. Propitiation shows God's love. That's the last key. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it says this, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And so listen, this is your working definition then. Propitiation equals atoned sin. Atoned sin. And it's like I said, there's an understanding you got to get down. And I hope that this frees you because some of you maybe wrestle with always trying to please God and you become ultimately disappointed in yourself. Now, listen, you have to, that's not God's view of you. And there's already an accuser of the brethren. You don't have to join Satan in that work. 
So stop taking yourself to God's throne and saying how awful you are. Let Satan do that. That's his job. Jesus is the only one capable of accomplishing this. It is settled. Listen to me. It is settled. It's not something that they are looking at the data and revisiting and calculating the numbers and going, well, you are pretty simple. So actually, I'm going to need you to return that salvation. <laughs> uh, you're terrible. Sorry. We have a basement spot for you. <laughs> and so that's not what's happening. See, I'm looking at this from a vantage point that says something about us. And there are three things that I just came away with that we got to recognize, y'all. If I'm a lost man, and even if I'm a saved man, I don't want to live in this grace that, guys, if you're in one of our Romans Bible studies, we're going to be studying that uh, very shortly. Shall we continue in sin? God forbid. So listen, we must recognize our sin is an offense to God. It's not the kind of thing that basically uh, the Lord just looks over and he's just pleased with because we out here acting a fool, <laughs> right? Now, for those of us that are his children, we should know better because now it's an act of rebellion. You know better. But for the lost, this is a point that it, it allows you to just help level the playing field when they try to say, but I'm good. I have never done X, Y, Z thing. Listen, if you broke one law, you broke them all. The second thing you got to understand is we must believe on the name of Jesus in order to escape the penalty for sin. See, listen, this is going to help us in terms of these, you know, crazy doctrines that are out there that are kind of like, oh, I can just work my way to it. Nope. That's not. No, no. I must believe on the name of Jesus. I must believe that he was born, which is what this season is about not Easter. It matters that he's born. I can't believe I didn't have incarnation on that as a shun. You might have to do it anyways. <laughs> but um, it matters. Because essentially, and not, and not to be crude, but just he came through the same pipeline you did and lived sinless. And last thing, listen, this is this is the one. I hope it kind of slaps you around. We must reevaluate what we love. If God loved us, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Then now you need to evaluate. What do you love? Do you love God for that? Do you love your current life? Do you love your time? Do you love anything that basically says, well, I will be here when I feel like it. I will be in Bible study when I feel like it. Maybe I'll join. Maybe I'll be in CLD. Maybe I'll be in discipleship. And then let me just guarantee you how that's going to end up. Your life will be exactly as it was in 2020, in 2023, in 24. Because you love you more than you love the Lord. See, he are, see the Lord is like, uh, you know, in the rom-coms. I, I really hate those movies a lot of time because the guy is just, cannot express himself. You know, he's handsome, leading man. 
And he can't just tell this woman, hey, I love you. Like, let's do this. It would be a 30 minute movie. But no, now we got to do all this stupid stuff. And, and then his boy has got to convince him. And then his, he talks to his mama or something, you know, or no, it's all he loses her. And then he goes, wait a minute. I need I love you, babe. You know, it's super dramatic. It's like, bro, just tell her like we can end this. Come on, man. We got stuff to do. <laughs> See, the Lord, that's how the Lord is. He's like, I don't want this narrative to be too long. So let me just tell you, I love you. I love you so much. I'm going to sacrifice my son to make sure that I have you back. Now, for my parents in here, if there was some thing that I was in and the only bartering chip they said was, well, you can have Dell back, but you got to give me one of yours. Is, are any of you doing that? No, you love me. I know that. But you're not good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dale. <laughs> Hope they don't pull your fingernails out. <laughs> and so, listen. I think the thing is, as you close this year. Think about what you love. Think about who you love. Think about the things, the life, all of that stuff. And just remember, this is what it took to get right. It took everything. God, man, he just, God just shoved all his chips forward and just said, this is how I feel about you. So now consider this. Why don't you spend the rest of your life telling him thank you by obedience and faithfulness? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much again uh, just for what you've done, Lord. And as we just in this season consider your birth, um, the, the plan, the narrative is already in place before your conception. I mean, when you took the form of a child, it was already known what the, what the plan is. You will get on the cross you will atone for our sin. And Lord, I'm just, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, Lord, thank you uh, that you saved me, a sinner. And Lord, help us to just reevaluate that love and just to consider what it is that um, you've done, what's before us, the opportunities we have to be your ambassadors. Father, help us to just love you. We don't even know how to do it, really. <laughs> um, help us to just see you for who you are and just to be grateful. Lord, help us with that. Lord, I thank you so much. Be with us as we go our way. Lord, we pray that today's services were a blessing and that we will be blessed by what it is that we're going to be a part of next. Lord, be with everybody that's you know heard the gospel today. Um, people making decisions to be a part of either this class or, or other, you know, classes. Um, a lot of decisions are happening, Lord. Lord, comfort your people, guide your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.